0: This podcast is not endorsed by any Grand Lodge, and the ridiculous ramblings of the hosts are their own. And now,
1: here's your host.
2: Good evening, everybody, or good day, whatever time of day you're listening to it. It's uh, Pete here with Masonic Light Podcast, and welcome to episode number 70.
0: 70. It is 70, wow. 70.
2: Very exciting. We have a, um, hopefully a great show. I think we're going to have a great show. We have a great guest. If we don't screw it up, it'll be a great show. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What are the odds? So uh, hosting with me tonight will be uh, Tim Dedman, Larry Maris, our producer Josh the Intern, and our special guest... Oh, uh, I hope I don't screw your name up. Wait. Yasser El-Khatib. Is that correct or close?
3: No, that's very correct. Thank oh, you. Oh,
1: awesome. Time out. Josh is no longer the intern. Josh is now the producer. Yeah, but if we call him producer, he has to get paid. Oh, oh. Josh the intern. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so you, welcome, Yasser. Um, and, and thank you for making the trip out from uh, the Philly area. And um, what we do here is like we just... We'll quickly go around, see if anybody's done anything Masonic, and we include you in that because you just had a very busy week in D.C. Absolutely. So um, we'll start over with Tim. Tim, what have you done Masonically the past week?
0: Uh, Just the usual Blue Lodge stuff, chasing folks down for dues as secretary of a lodge, Um, secretary seminar in E-Town this past weekend, but just kind of the normal routine of that with chapter and other Masonic bodies, just meetings. Josh, have you done anything exciting?
1: Uh, I attended the
2: Master Masons' uh, Night for Tall Cedars, and I received or was
1: initiated into the Ancient Order of the Yellow Dog.
2: It's very exclusive.
1: Yeah. (laughs) We'll talk a little bit more about that in a second. Uh, Larry? I was with Josh last night doing the Yellow Dog, and I'm going to tell you, it was a fantastic night. really was. I'm also going to say, and Jack's not with us tonight because Jack is in Ohio on business, uh, the grotto meeting last Sunday was superb. Uh, Jack's doing a bang-up job as the monarch, and I've gone and this is kind of almost unmasonic or not heard of in masonic circles. I've gone to two really good meetings back to back.
0: Yeah, we may have to rescind the uh, yeah, uh, impeachment. Yeah, this, this, this vote. just
1: is not right. We may have to like read uh, but- extra.
2: Bills and minutes next but time, I, right. y- Yeah, I,
1: I figure though I'll I'll make up for it because we have uh, we have our Blue Lodge meeting on Tuesday and that'll bring it right back down to normal. So,
2: brother Yasser, you've probably been the the busiest. Tell us where you were last week.
3: I don't know about the busiest. I missed the Yellow Dog, the uh, So that that's I'm, I'm I'm devastated about that. Like I heard the great things about it earlier today. So uh, I feel like I missed out well, on an awesome were, night.
2: You were involved with. A few other degrees, though.
3: Absolutely. So I just came back from Masonic Week, uh, 2019 Masonic Week, uh, in uh, the Virginia area, in uh, Arlington uh, or uh, uh, Crystal City, yeah. right now, Virginia. And uh, this is uh, this was my fifth year, consecutive fifth year, going to Masonic Week. And I have to say, it's uh, like my go-to destination. It's uh, a... Uh, for, for those of you who know or may not know, it's a uh, six-day, five-day, six-day event that uh, uh, masons from all over the world, not only from the United States, uh, come to. Uh, we kind of stay in this one location, and a big number of degrees and bodies do meet at Masonic Week, and let me tell you, the friendships, the fellowship that takes place is phenomenal. To, to, if, if uh, that's probably uh, not even given it uh, all that it's due. But uh, we, uh, as Pennsylvania, we participated in a number of degrees. Uh, the Scarlet Cord uh, degrees were conferred uh, this past Saturday, and uh, on Thursday, the night of Constantinople, was conferred also by brethren local from this area that presented the, the degree in, in, a, in a wonderful form. Uh, so I'm I'm very pleased that I'm able to travel, to take the time. To be honest with you, my wife knows it. Now she puts it on the calendar. When I got back, she's saying, like, so what th- what, what time is it next year? What uh, When in February is it next year? Well,
2: so I can block year, it. This year it wasn't over Valentine's.
3: That's true. That's
2: very true. It's been true. over Valentine's in the past, and that's always fun.
0: So for our listeners that may not be familiar with Masonic Week, but you've just piqued their interest, what does one have to do to show up at Masonic Week?
3: So the, the website usually goes up, or the registration to Masonic Week comes up like around November, early December. And uh, there is a um, registration um, form that would, they would have to complete. Uh, there's a number of events. Uh, some of it are degrees. Some of it are dinners, banquets. Some of it are exclusive to members of those orders. Some of them are open to all Masons, regardless whether they are members of uh, the order or not, or any of the orders that are uh, meeting down at Masonic Week, and uh, they send their uh, registration to the address on the application form, and they show up and attend. Now, it's always good, if you're going over the first time, to be in uh, the company of friends to at least know someone who's been there and to try to tag along with them and uh, see what they recommend or tell you what you can attend what you cannot attend it makes it much easier than uh, being disappointed for not being able to attend something that you do not belong to
2: yeah there's a, there's a lot of groups that you know i just i kind of got into the allied masonic degrees about 6 or 7 years ago so my first masonic week i think was 4 years ago and my eyes were just <clears throat> open to like these things that i had never heard of and um it was really really unique and beautiful when you see some of the the folks come out with a different regalia on and you're like what's that what's that and, um met some nice i met a, a grand master from uh, an african country super great guy it's just it's it's interesting is the um how, how's the attend is the attendance growing for that?
3: So uh, short of like any uh, formal numbers or like uh, having the accurate numbers, I can say that in talking to Brother Moises Gomez, who organizes, helped. Like he's the man in charge in organizing, uh, basically, and moderating this event. And I send him uh, uh, my best regards through this your podcast. Uh, he, uh, uh, in, in talking to him briefly, he, I believe he's seen a twenty percent increase from last year this year. So, uh, and and that's a rough estimate that was based on not direct. Uh, account of the numbers that have attempted. And I, I, I think just looking around, uh, I, I, as, as you mentioned, Pete, there was individuals from all over. There was the usual delegates from England and Romania that have been coming for like 18, 20 years now, and then there were brethren from all over. I met a brother from Brazil. Um, who uh, was traveling for the first time to, to Masonic Week by himself. So it's very interesting sometimes when you meet and uh, talk to individuals and see their backgrounds and talk to, a little bit about like, what differences they have in their areas. I think it's, it's very enlightening. It's a very humbling experience when, when you learn that these people have traveled way farther than you to be with brothers, to be in a, in a Masonic event in a foreign country to them. So it's very interesting.
2: I mean, I know it, it's def- one thing that's really benefited us is how many international Freemasons that speak English. So, I mean, that's really, really helped us out a lot because, you know, a lot of our foreign listeners are very interested in some of the uniquely American things that we do. Mm -hmm. meanwhile when i go to masonic week and i hear about some of these british things and i you know i i'm just busy staring and trying to eavesdrop because i just think it's so neat um well we'll come back we're i have a few questions on that when we get into the interview um about why we think there's that increase um and i guess lastly my big week was uh my second meeting is grand tall cedar uh we had our master mason night this past night and i have to say i won't pat myself on the back too hard but it was a huge success normally at a tall cedars function we have 25 people and that includes spouses this was a uh, men only evening and we had 64 men uh, receive the yellow dog degree Um, a lot of people ate way too much seafood and drank a little too much cedar sap fun was had by all and uh, I've got a few new pups in the kennel, Larry Maris here and Josh. So wel- welcome to the kennel.
1: Josh, you were there, weren't you?
2: Uh,
4: I think so. <laughs> so.
2: Maybe maybe sometime in the future, the Masonic Late Podcast will do that uh, degree somewhere. We can invite people in and we can, uh, you know, we can make you all feel included. So we'll take a quick break. We'll come back and we'll be back with our guest, Yasser Al-Khatib.
4: At the historic Smithton Inn of of Pennsylvania, we're pleased to serve the latest creations from Weathered Vineyard Winery, along with spirits from Thistle Finch Distillery in Lancaster, all to be experienced in the tasting room of a beautifully restored 18th century bed and breakfast. Cigars by DNS Cigar are available for your enjoyment in the courtyard. The historic Smithton Inn is convenient to Lancaster County's most interesting attractions just minutes from the of Cloister and the Green Dragon Farmer's Market. And a short drive can get you to charming Lidditz, thriving downtown Lancaster, as well as Hershey, Bird in Hand, and Intercourse. Or Valley Forge and Gettysburg. Whether you're looking for a romantic getaway or an active vacation full of sightseeing and attractions, the historic Smithton Inn will be a welcoming oasis from everyday life. One that you'll want to visit again and again. Stop in and visit at 900 West Main Street in Ephrata, Pennsylvania, or check out our website at historicsmithtonin.com, or simply call us at 717-733-6094. Just ask for Passmaster Dave.
0: And we're back. Uh, we're glad to have as our guest tonight, Brother Yasser Al-Khatib. He is past master of Fritz Lodge, number 308, in Conshohocken, Pennsylvania. I think That's I correct. got that right. Absolutely. Pennsylvania here. Uh, he's also the education chairman of the uh, Sixth Masonic District, and uh, most importantly, he's currently serving as chairman of the Supreme Council's Education Academy Uh of the uh, Northern Masonic Jurisdiction. Uh, so we are just thrilled to have you with us today. It's so, absolutely uh,
3: my pleasure, thank uh, you.
0: Tell us a little bit about the work that you do with, uh, with that group.
3: Absolutely, so let me start with a little bit of background on that. Uh, uh, the, most of the time we ask ourselves why? Why do I do certain things? Why do I get involved in certain things as a Mason? And I think to me, it started all with really a genuine attempt to understand what I'm doing as a master mason, as a novice mason, really understanding what's going on, what, what is being said, what does it mean, what, how does it relate to me as a human being? How am I gonna be able to use this and do the same magnificent work that is being conferred upon me? How am I gonna be able to stand up and not only just utter the words but explain the meaning of it? So it became like, a, um, like we were talking about how do you figure out your purpose? And it, it started with, like, finding out this purpose, and then from there, once you understand the purpose, you can start setting up the goals. And I think that's where it began. Um, uh, it And it evolved from there into... Uh, wanting to be involved, wanting to make a difference, wanting to leave a, a uh, stamp, if you want to call it, or a uh, some some effect, as we all, I think, at one point in our life, want to make sure that we leave that effect on someone else. Whether it's one, whether it's many, it really does not matter. But we seems like we have all this common urge that we want to leave something good behind. And we learned that in the stories when we look at our forefathers, when we look at our like predecessors in this fraternity, when you look at pictures in your lodge and you walk around and see these tall men in the pictures, you really know that they left you something and now it's upon you to leave something back to those who are going to come later. So that's how it all started. Really it wasn't a designated plan, it wasn't anything that I knew the how because we struggle with the how, right? Like uh, why and uh, wh- what we want is comes easy to mind. The how is probably the most difficult thing for me at least to 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 really understand. Uh, We talk about making men better, but uh, it's very hard for us to understand that how we make men better sometimes. To me, it came all in education. So you start seeing me year after year getting involved more and more with different Masonic organizations, whether it was on the district level then the Lodge of Research, then the Academy of Masonic Knowledge in Pennsylvania, and last right now is the Hot Grod Academy or the Academy of the Scottish Rite. And uh, th- that has been a passion for myself. The Scottish Rite itself became a passion. Um, uh, I wanna thank uh, Sovereign Grand Commander Dave Gladley for having the vision to really bring in uh, more for the membership, to look for at that path forward and understand it's about service, that it's about what we can give back and leave back as a, a gem or as a heritage or as a legacy for the members that we interact with, that we're obligated to serve. So again, uh, t- to me, Hot Grad is a venue for service. It's It's been a collaborative with brethren from different jurisdictions uh, that came together and put together this idea and said, let's give it a try. Let's see if it works. And here we are almost a year plus few months later standing 800 plus members strong in an academy where a lot of people are engaged, involved, writing papers, writing reports, like really doing the work.
2: And I think you would have many more if you had more people to processing grade too I mean there's there's men waiting to get into that I believe as well
3: absolutely you're correct
2: aren't you one of them yeah I am one of them (laughs)
1: <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he, Yasser being here he, might, he, he, might he, expedite he, it or something. But the, you might think. You know, is there, I, I've is already, there a curve? I've already, i
2: already asked for one favor at
1: dinner. <laughs> is there a grading curve? inside? So we'll, <laughs> we'll stop there. Uh, by the way, uh, Brother Glatley was a guest on this show some time back. He mm-hmm. actually appeared mm-hmm. on the show, mm-hmm. and he was one of the forerunners of the. the uh, they say the big guys coming in and starting to do our show it made and us feel legitimate. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, he did. He, he kicked us into high gear, really, really. So anyway, great guy.
3: Great man. So, Absolutely. Y-
1: Yasser, one of the things
2: I've noticed in the past few years, and it's, maybe it's even something we can uh, steal from the third degree about the, in Freemasonry, I think we have neglected the arts and sciences pretty, pretty badly. And I see that in, in things like the Academy of Masonic Knowledge, where they've been having record attendance. Um, you mentioned that the Masonic Week in D.C., bigger attendance. While most lodges are seeing declines, I think the area of, how should I say, more educated Freemasonry is is peaking. So, you know... Do you see that or like how, how can we take advantage of that as a fraternity?
3: I, I think an educated Mason is a stronger Mason. An educated fraternity is a much stronger fraternity. You're absolutely right. I mean, we do talk here and there about membership and we do say there's this uh, common understanding nowadays. You talk to any Mason and they'll tell you, oh, Freemasonry is shrinking or Freemasonry is declining. The reality is, if you look throughout history, I mean, if if you go back and just read Morals and Dogma, there's a section where Albert Pike in the 19th century is complaining about membership, complaining about the quality of membership within the Lodge. And that's 19th century United States. So this concept of declining membership is not new, is not foreign. It cycles, I think. Uh, You can talk in general about numbers, but then how can you categorize it when you look at lodges or events like you mentioned and you see that there's a boost in one lodge a lodge that is growing year over year by more than 10 percent and yes you do have some lodges that are declining and my belief it's not just masonic education it's the experience if we would have masonic education as one category it would be the umbrella Uh, under which it lies. And the umbrella would be that Masonic experience, creating that, what do a group of Masons really desire? You did talk about, earlier we were talking about how people gravitate to certain events. Some of us like events that are fun. Some of us want want a mixture of events. Some of us just like education and reading a book and being uh, isolated. That's fine too, but it's about finding people alike that enjoy the same thing and I think that's where it um, it, it thrives and, and I joke with some people sometimes like in, in congregating or in, in getting together we figured algorithmic where you can sit down and find out what people in what club have what activities and you join a club based on those activities in Freemasonry yet uh, sometimes you have that luxury you see it in some areas where you're Friend or your relative might come to you and say, "I think you'll enjoy this." That's algorithmic. That's taking the person, their interest, and connecting it to the lodge. And sometimes that's difficult. I think if we figure that better in the future, we'll do a better job in really putting the right people in the right locations so that they can thrive and enjoy what they do. And that's what I enjoy about. You were asking me about Masonic Week. That's what what I enjoy about AMD. AMD, yeah, it's an invitational. But you're selecting people that you think will fit with you. It's not being elitist. It's about, I really enjoy these guys. Uh, We like to do the same thing. We like to have dinner and have some jokes together. Or we like to sit down and talk about topics. This other group might not. They might like something different. And that's okay. That's perfectly okay. As long as we figure what we enjoy, don't force it upon ourselves and just like match ourselves to that experience.
1: I'm still astounded you read Albert Pike. <laughs> but what I'm equally astounded about, you, you you made a point about him complaining about membership and shrinkage and the quality and so forth. Every time I read Pike, my head hit the pages. <laughs> he he's a tough He's a tough read. <laughs> he is a very, very but, tough but read. It, there but are like lots of gems you, in there. You said. I think that's great. I I just never Saw that, but
0: that's cool. One of the things I'm convinced that, I mean, Freemasonry had its base uh, leading up to, in the United States at least, up to World War II. And then we had this huge spike after the war, in particular, uh, where we had... You know, tens of thousands of new people coming. You know, they're coming back from the war. They they either joined lodges while they were overseas uh, during the war, or they came back and joined lodges here. And we had this huge increase, and no one ever expected them to die. Um, so we had this great crest, um, and somewhere, you know, probably the late 60s or so, uh, that that hit its peak, and no one. Took the opportunity then to say, number one, what do we do when these folks? It's it's kind of like Social Security. You've got the baby boom that's going through, and then all of a sudden now we have trouble uh, funding, you know, funding Social Security. The same thing's true in Freemasonry. I think we've got these World War II folks that have that are dying off in in, in large numbers, um, and and we're not reaching out. I think in many ways. To... So, so I'll
3: take you a step further. Okay, I'll take you before World War II. Okay. Did we plan this boom that was about to happen? I don't think any Grand Lodge expected this great boom. Uh, you might read about it. You might have, find one article, two articles that maybe predicted something like that. But we didn't even plan a boom. So, a- again, if we didn't plan a boom, why would we plan a decline? Yeah. And I, th- I think it's something that sometimes we need to just, like, let go, mm-hmm. re- understand that it's not about it It's not about what we cannot control, but what we can control, and I think we have much better control with the experience, creating the right experience the The reality is and and I'm like you, like I wanted to understand how come we had this boom, and the more I read or read about that period before in during the twenties and thirties, one of the examples that stood out, and I cannot recall the reference exactly right now, but it was about the enlistment of French citizens during World War I versus World War II. And they found in that research, in that study, that enlistment in World War I was way higher than World War II for French citizens, despite the imminent danger that has, was right at the border at the time in 1939 or 1940. Uh, so they tried to study that, and they found out that most people were joining because of peer pressure. We were groups of friends, and I would join, and then I will get, get Larry to join, and then because me and Larry joined, Pete now is feeling, feeling pressured. He's like in this tight group with us, and he felt like he's obligated. My friends are going, how am I gonna stand, stay behind? So I think, really, it's again about the experience. I, and by experience, I'm alluding to these bonds mm-hmm. that happened during the experience. And I think those bonds are what entice people. Um, I'll give you a perfect example. My lodge probably thrived in one of the, like, the 80s or 70s because everybody joined was from town. They all knew each other before they joined. They used to go to the same barber and sit and talk about the same topics. And then some of them, saw a part of them, go to the lodge and stand or sit at the porch and that became like, well, I want to stay with these guys. I'm with them here. I want to be with them there, too. So I, I think that it does play a big factor in having these friendships, bringing friends in. Uh, I, I think the experience and the bonds that we have outside need to be brought in uh, or vice versa.
1: And I think also, too, during World War II and right after, uh, when the military folks and came back home, There was that brotherly bond of serving in the military together, and they wanted to continue that. And here we are, a fraternity of men, and wow, we have thousands and thousands of men that want to continue that bond that they experienced by being in the military, and they continued Mm -hmm. that. And it was a huge growth. And you're right. I don't think grandmasters anywhere predicted that kind of growth, but it was a resultant effect of World War II.
3: Absolutely. Yeah absolutely uh, it's it, I think, it is amazing you're I right i think it's a valid point worth of considering you're right at least because we we I, I can't research it i can't prove it but it's definitely worth considering as a reason
1: oh absolutely i, I don't i don't think I don't, I don't think we're getting any weaker i think we're getting stronger i really do yeah. i agree i think the quality of education in our lodges in our in our in our grand lodges has gone exemplary higher up lately I know when I was raised in South Carolina in 74, we didn't have anything like a, a, an academy of, of, of knowledge or a or, or lodge of research. We didn't have it. Mm-hmm. And I was a dues-paying member up until Pete talked me into joining Lamberton Lodge. But then when I saw the benefits of being a member of the Pennsylvania Grand Lodge – with the Academy and the Lodge of Research, I thought, wow, this is amazing and grateful to be in this state. But other states are now doing the same thing. So the quality of education is increasing dramatically, and you're a, good, you're a great part of it. Because I, I, mean, I see you everywhere there's an education something or other.
3: But <laughs> again, it goes back to what, what I'm saying. This is where I find my experience. These are the group of brethren that I enjoy being around. Mm-hmm. That's what gravitates me. And what works for me might be something different for someone else, and that should be okay. We need, we need just to identify those experiences. We need to, be, to have the courage to say, this is what I enjoy. You're not going to know what you need to enjoy unless you travel out and try to go to Masonic Week, for example, or try to go to the Lodge of Research, try to come to the Academy of Masonic Knowledge, or come to a yellow dog degree, you, you got to expose yourself. You got to be in those events to realize whether it's good for you, what you're expecting or not. That's the only way I was able to find my click, my really uh, what gravitates me the most.
2: Yeah, and I would definitely agree with you. I, I don't want to... I know his head's going to explode when I when I say this, but... The two things that I've been, I'm i a 21, 22 year, 21 year Mason, and I felt even though I went through the chairs, I didn't really feel at home in Freemasonry until about six or seven years ago, and at that time, two things were started, both locally by Seth Anthony. Um, one on one extreme was Ubar Grotto, and narrow focus it was really just we tried to be silly we tried to have fun and it was a home run at the same time he was also exposed to amd he brought amd into lancaster county and i was fortunate enough to be one of the folks that got an, in, got an invite and like i just find those on the other end of the spectrum sitting down like, like tonight like i love being a goofball on the show but I sit here and I'm listening to you speak and you're so passionate and eloquent on this topic. I'm just, I mean, I'm listening and, you know, and that's what I am at AMD. Like I'm sitting around all these men who have more and different experiences than I do. And I don't know. I just, you know, there. back a hundred years ago, we see all these high profile people. Well, high profile people don't really exist in that way anymore. But it might be people like yourself or somebody like Seth who have the initiative within the Masonic world to try new things and uh, kind of and they kind of do lead people. And I'm kind of a goofball, but like I on my th- I can lead people into the the silly stuff. Like you know, I'm making tall cedars have a little bit of resurgence, at least in Lancaster. But Larry, do you have to go potty?
0: He's Larry's yeah. got to go pee.
2: All right, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, Larry's going to go potty, and we'll be back. And there's nothing wrong with that, by the way.
1: Not after last night. <laughs> <laughs> Why choose George J. Grove and Sons for your next home improvement project? At George J Grove and Sons, we've built our reputation on quality and trust for more than 50 years. For planning, to materials, to installation, George J Grove promises a home improvement experience second to none. Whether your goal is reducing energy costs, decreasing maintenance, updating curb appeal, or simply increasing the value of your home, the George J Grove team will recommend and provide solutions that stand the test of time. Call 717 717- for an estimate or visit us at georgejgrove.com
2: welcome back. We're uh, back here at episode 70 with uh, Yasser Al-Khatib. Yasser, wanna, we, we were talking earlier, and during the break we were kind of talking on it again, the how. Mm-hmm. So let's get into let, – let's, let's how, how does one or how do we get people to find the answer to how?
3: Absolutely. So again, I, th- I think one of – Larry started talking about that, that when, when he was raised in another jurisdiction, there was not much around. And we are blessed in Pennsylvania to be in a jurisdiction that really serves the member from the academy, from the lodge of research, from our grand master's initiatives. Really, there is an effort, a concerted effort to really serve the membership. And I think part of this how is really lies with the person. I think there's a few steps to it. We started talking about understanding where we are And what our needs or purpose is and then evolving from that to establishing the goals and then like everything else if i don't know i really need to find trustworthy individuals not random individuals that i just met and expect them to give me the answer people need to know you first and sometimes what i see people jump into wanting the end result rather than working the process to get to the end result and i think First, you need to really work on establishing those connections, those trust bonds with individuals that I don't want to call necessarily the the who to go to, but individuals that you really respect, that you really find yourself, one day, I want to be like this person, or one day, I want to become like this individual, and maybe then talk to them about that experience.
2: So maybe maybe like we almost need a masonic guidance counselor as an appointed <laughs> office, <laughs> you know. So if so if a newer member goes, hey, you know, the, you know, I really, you know, I listening to the minutes being read is kind of cool, but um, I'd really like to do more with helping the kids. Well, okay, well, you know, then maybe somebody like me that's a dummy that joined everything, kind of steer them towards. Well, like you know, if you got into um, the shrine. There's these things you, that you could do there in the shrine, or in, in muscular dystrophy with tall cedars, or oh, you want more educational stuff? Well, you know the academy's this date. You're welcome to come. Here's three or four brothers that always go regular. So I don't know. How do we get a masonic guidance counselor? I,
3: so, so I mean, again, if you look, sometimes we don't need to really reinvent the wheel because y- you do have mentors. We do assign mentors in lodges. You have a first line signer. You have someone who brought you into the lodge. You have people that you started interacting with. Instead of like putting necessarily, not, without putting like titles on people, but really looking at the characteristics of the individuals we're interacting with and saying, I really feel comfortable talking to this person. But the only way you're going to get to that point where I really feel comfortable talking to this person more than anyone else is after you have talked to everyone else in this room. So that's how you come to the realization. So I think the first step is, is really putting yourself out there. And sometimes it's going to take some time. I mean, most of us have, as you mentioned earlier, sometimes it, it years passes that you feel that you're not going anywhere. And suddenly, boom. You find out that things are opening, things are making more sense, things are matching your need. And I think there is a waiting period that you have to respect and accept. Um, You cannot be too quick, you cannot be too jumpy, you got to be patient. Like everything good that we try to put together or anything good we try to build, there has to be an element of patience. And managing those expectations You cannot be this person that has been in this fraternity for 50 years and expect to be that like in one year because you have something else on your agenda next. You have to look at this as is this a way of life or is this a badge? And you got to decide. And if it's both, that's great, right? But you have to decide am I earning badges or am I earning a way of life? Am I transforming myself to be this better person? And what will that look like? What is that going to look like? How can I feel that I am now a better person? By doing what? And that's the, that's where it starts, contemplating, understanding yourself better, and then deciding who to associate with and what experiences to put together for yeah. yourself.
2: I, I see a lot of uh, new members that are very excited and very gung-ho, and they want to join everything all at once. And I try to tell people like you can you can be anything you want. You can't be everything. It's better to be really good at a couple things and know a couple things really well than just be a, a dues paying member. I mean at the end of the day when when you get done and I'm learning this as I'm on the down slope I think of my Masonic journey where I just want to when I on my gravestone no matter how many designations I have before and after my name is I just wanted to say master Mason. I'm at the end of the day, I'm a master Mason. And I, and I think, I don't know. I, I think we need to like real people in, but also help them.
0: But well, and I think one of the things that as lodges we've not done a real good job of is once someone has gotten their master Mason's degree, we may have the, a mentor assigned that kind of helped them get through that part, but I'm not sure how well we engage them about what their interests are beyond just those degrees. And whether it's in the lodge, whether it's in the community, whether it's in other Masonic bodies, um, again, finding finding that niche for that individual. And it will be different. You know, we've got a guy in our lodge that— you know, we, we try to tell them, you know, don't go after these guys right away. But we know that the second or third month, after they get the third degree, he's go, the guy's going to go chase them down and try to get them to join Scottish Rite. And that's fine because, I, you know, I'm a member of Scottish Rite. But let that happen. Let that happen in due course. Um, maybe that's the best next step. Maybe their best next step is grotto. I don't know. Uh, maybe it's something else. Uh, but finding for that individual, what is that next step? So many uh, men come in and, you know, they have jobs that take up a lot of time. They have young families. Um, and, and we all know what happens when, uh, you know, you have all of these responsibilities and you're a member of six or eight Masonic bodies that only meet one night a month. Uh, but, uh, you get sucked in and, now, all of a sudden, you've got problems.
3: However, still, I think it's beyond the obligations that we have in our personal life, because it, it, at the end of the day, it comes down to the value.
5: Mm-hmm.
3: What value does it carry for me? Is it worth me taking another night off from home to be in this event because it's enriching me as a person, getting me to where I need to be or not? And I bet you every single night when you come to that crossroad, you're asking yourself, is this night worth it or not? And that's what it's going to come to. That's what I go back to talking about creating the experience. And you're right. You can point as many people as you want in any direction. But it comes back to their choice. And that's what we teach in this fraternity, that you have a choice and you need to make it and only you. If you want us to make it for you, then you're missing out. Mm-hmm. You're not taking your own journey. You're making us take your journey. One of my favorite books that I recommend to anyone that asks me about Freemasonry that say, I'm thinking about joining Freemasonry. What would you like me to? What can I do? What can I read? What can I One of the, my favorite books is an unmasonic book that I recommend. It's called The Alchemist by Paulo Caleo. And he's a Brazilian author, and this book has been translated, and it's a short read, but the reason i recommend this book the reason i love this book the reason i've read this book like almost like once every year since i've got introduced to it is because it talks about this one concept that is my personal legend it talks about this individual who is lost trying to figure out his life and it takes him through a journey and throughout the story there's this concept of you need to find your personal legend i fell in love with that concept concept of this personal legend that each one of us should be like really pursuing in order to figure out what's right for you not right for others and and it's an interesting story he goes through all opportunities of be comf- being comfortable and being relaxed and it seems he always chose what was not convenient S- say the, the
1: name of that book again so our listeners the alchemist can... the book the is alchemist. called the alchemist
3: and who's it written by paulo coleo and he's a Brazilian author. Get it on Amazon. You can get it Amazon. You can get it. I anywhere. thought for sure he would say the Red Serpent. <laughs> no, well, <yeah. laughs> but absolutely a magnificent read. He
1: probably doesn't even know I wrote that. <laughs> Nobody does, Larry. <laughs> Nobody, does. Nobody does.
2: I did, Larry. I did. <laughs> well, that you know, that's that's. I don't know. It's just I'm I'm flubbing because it's just so profound and but yeah. simple.
0: Yes.
1: Yeah.
3: And and it, again, it's uh, I, I hear you. Like I hear when you say you gotta find out that one thing or those couple of things that you enjoy the most. But how will I know unless I meet them all? How, how like in the same concept, <laughs> how would you know this is my the best job I've ever had if you did not have a couple lousy jobs before it? How would you know this is the perfect group of people around me if you did not have bad experiences before it? so it's it's again the the the, the symbol of the night and moon, the symbols the the contradicts that we have in this fraternity, in the ritual. It's all the, these opposites because for us to know one, we need to know what's the opposite, what, what what I don't like. For me to know what I like, I need to discover what I don't like. And the only way I'm going to do that is by being exposed to everything. So I would say you want to explore everything and join everything, go for it. Because that will give you maybe the chance to decide what you like. And if you're someone who fell in love with the first body that came your way, that's okay too. It's it's your own personal legend that I think it's worth Discovery. So
2: I guess that begs, begs the question, what's your personal legend? What do you want it to be?
3: So my personal legend have been since day one, service. When I serve, as, as the Buddha says, in, uh, and I'm a fan of reading, uh, as you can see, and I read a lot of spirituality, I don't call it necessarily by any other name, but one of the, the sayings by Buddha was like, if you ask me about the object of love, it is to serve. So serving to me has become my, my legend, my passion, whether it's professionally or uh, by educating others or by what I do through the fraternity. <coughs> so by being involved in Masonic education, I see it as a service, that I'm putting myself, my time, my energy to serve others. And, oh, by the way, I'm learning through it. I'm getting better through it. I'm learning better grammar. I'm re- learning better writing. I'm learning better speaking abilities. So to me, it's a win-win situation. I'm serving and I'm improving at the same time. So that's my personal legend.
2: Larry, are you you look stunned that we're having such a such – a- an adult conversation going on, and we're learning. Well, you
1: lost me about twenty my twenty five minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> I have been, been on my cell phone sending messages. No, well, t- Tim's background. <laughs> no, is I haven't. That, Tim's background is from education as
2: well. So, are, do you see any? Are you seeing similarities? Or oh, you absolutely.
0: Seeing? I mean, I think if you look at if you look at in particular what lodges are growing, what Masonic bodies are growing, uh, it's the ones that are dealing with education. It's dealing. It's that thirst for knowledge and uh, thirst for uh, intellectual growth. Um, and I think that that, that there are a lot of correlations between what you've talked about and education. Um, And I I think you're spot on. I mean, I'm like the rest of you. I'm sitting here kind of just in awe of of how simple this is and yet how profound it is as
3: well. So it's really interesting. Sometimes when you talk to individuals, to brethren in the fraternity, and they really – you really catch gems sometimes. I was talking to a brother from my valley, brother Bud Garvey, Anthony Bud Garvey, illustrious brother, uh, Anthony Bud Garvey, and he said something that I've seen so much in this life. I've seen so much being tried. I've had individuals come up to me and ask me, how about we try this as if it's a new idea? And I go and tell them, when I tried it, it didn't work. It doesn't mean when you try it, it's not going to work. And that's so profound. Rather than just throwing that term, it's not going to work. He had such an eloquent way about saying it and saying, when I tried it, it did not work. But that doesn't mean you shouldn't try it. Maybe the way I did it was wrong and the way you're going to do it is going to be right. And I think that's, that's key in, 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 in that perspective.
1: It reminds me of the commercial, I think it was maybe 3M years ago, that we don't make the product, we make the product better which goes along with what you're just saying.
3: And better, and better, and better. I tried <laughs> and it, it didn't work, but it might work for you. Exactly. So, yeah. It's about perfecting it. Yeah. It's, that's why it's, uh, in my understanding, it's a lost word. And we keep trying to find it because we keep on trying and trying and trying. Well,
5: let's take a quick break and we'll be back. archetypes unlocked. One part of the golden key that unlocks symbolic secrets is understanding archetypes. Carl Jung referred to this phenomenon as the collective unconscious. Here we will look at some archetypes to understand what they are and their impact on communication, whether written or pictorial. Archetypal images do not pass through the logical or language processes of the brain. They speak directly to our associative function, being understood without thought. Some have been transferred from generation to generation in our genetic memories, embedded in our DNA. The definition of an archetype is the first of a thing that has been imitated or a typical example of something. An archetypal symbol is one that represents a sight or experience common to all humanity, one that is recognized universally. One of the most powerful of these is mother and child, something seen and felt since there have been mothers. In every country, every culture, every tribe, it is understood. A symbol of the creative force, the Madonna and child is revered in religious and spiritual traditions from Catholicism to alchemy. A mother's love is said to be the most compelling, most powerful force in creation. And when this image is seen, or described, it conveys more in mere seconds than could be said in volumes of written words. Another fundamental archetype is the Sun, so necessary to life. Sun worship began in the Ice Age when months and months of iron-cold winter temperatures exceeding 50 below zero threatened human survival. The return of the golden orb bringing its heat and light surely meant more to our ancestors than to our modern culture where heat and light are generated on demand. The sun is seen from every corner of the earth with the exception of the deepest oceans and caves. At the bottom of the ocean there are life forms that generate their own source of light, such as the anglefish, made popular in Nemo. Light is life. Sun gods are symbols of this powerful life-giving force. Mythologies of dead and resurrected sun kings all allude to the golden sun as it travels from winter solstice to summer solstice and back. At its lowest point in winter, the sun appears to die for three days, lingering low in the sky. Then it begins its climb, coming back to life. Another archetype is water, thought to be the cradle and grave of life and a very important element in many spiritual traditions for purification and healing. One Greek philosophy considers water to be the sentient element which inhabits all life forms. There are many more archetypes, too many to list here. For more on this subject, see my book, Symbology, Hidden in Plain Sight. Next time on Symbols Unlocked, we will dig into the mystery of the vampire, a tangled legend of war, religion and immortality
0: and we're back uh our guest this evening has been yasser al-khatib and yasser we want to thank you so much for uh both the enlightening and engaging conversation tonight and uh please come back i mean it as, as pete said earlier we're all uh just sitting around here our heads are spinning with uh uh, what you've brought to us, and I'm sure our podcast listeners feel the same way. So I want to
3: thank you so much for having me here tonight, and uh, or today, if you're here listening, depending <laughs> on when, what time you're listening. But uh, really, I'm humbled, and I thank you for what you're doing. And this is an, uh, a shining example of service. Again, I'm talking about service. The service that you're providing here is, I'm sure, is valuable and touching beyond uh, your, your imagination. So congratulations to you, too.
1: I, I just want to say you came up literally. You work in downtown Philadelphia, drove through Philadelphia traffic to get up here. And, and at Philadelphia, an effort is about 60, maybe close to 70-some miles of what I call really tough traffic to get through. And we do appreciate you doing that. So if you're a listener, when you look at effort on the map in conjunction with Philadelphia... And you'll see it's really 30 miles.
0: (laughs) (laughs) As the crow flies, you're right. It's, what, about 35? (laughs) So, Yasser, what have you got coming up in the next uh, couple of weeks in your world? So, um,
3: again, the Academy of Masonic Knowledge is on March 16th. If you're a Pennsylvania Mason or you're visiting from outside, you're more than welcome to join us in E-Town, Pennsylvania, Elizabethtown, and uh, that is March, Saturday, March the 16th. We always have two distinguished speakers, and that uh, promises to be an event, a great event. It's also streamed lined, online, live, and it can be watched through the Grand Lodge's uh, website. The... Lodge of Research mm-hmm. is coming up the Pennsylvania Lodge of Research is coming up uh, June 29th and our speaker is going to be Right Worshipful Brother Moises I. Gomez from New Jersey past Grand Historian and he's presenting on the Underground Railroad at the time and it will also be at Elizabethtown in the uh, very famous beautiful lodge room of Elizabethtown Masonic Village uh, Hot Grot Academy is my daily job uh, every day I'm involved with the hot crowd Academy with the advisory committee the the advisory board the brothers brother Mohammed uh, from New Jersey Oscar Allen from New York uh, Connor Moran who is a Lancaster Mason but who lives in New York he's a New York Mason and uh, very busy with that uh, we are at 850 plus uh, members at this time and we have uh, a number of brothers from this area who have completed the program and soon to be awarded their jewels. One of them, two of them, I think were uh, visitors here, Brother Seth Anthony and Brother Jim Stevens and Brother Michael Moran, all three of which have received uh, or will be receiving their certificate and jewel very soon. Mike uh, just received it at the Valley of Harrisburg. Seth and Jim will be receiving it very soon.
0: So clearly the path to that jewel is set as a segment on the Masonic Light podcast. That's where you come to get your start. Yeah, that's right. um, (laughs) If you're interested in that, uh, you should let us know. And, uh, uh, we'll determine uh, if the topic is uh, worthy to come on the podcast, <laughs> and we'll get you started on your way. It
1: could be a requirement for Absolutely. getting
0: your your
1: final papers and so forth. That You know, you have to do a thesis or a paper to, to finish up the, 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 the work. Uh, maybe a requirement to come on a show would be another part
0: of it. Exactly. <laughs> Larry, what do you got going on Masonically coming up?
1: Uh, gosh, not a whole lot. I mean, I do, but—well, I'm going to the Academy. Yeah. Okay. Yep. I guess you are, too. I will be. No pictures, please. Last year they took yeah, pictures. Last time they that. took pictures of me falling asleep. And I understand and there's I really also... I wasn't falling asleep.
0: I also understand that there's now a prohibition against questions if the Grand Master's present.
1: Well, from what I understand, yeah, he's got a bodyguard around him <laughs> now
0: when I approach <laughs> <laughs> Pete, how about you?
2: Um, uh, Let's see. Sunday we have Junta Council AMD where I am Sovereign Master this year. And we'll be at the new restaurant in Lancaster it's going to be nice we're having a nice tiled room so we're going to be able to have a little more a little more in depth discussion than we did in our last venue um and i'll be my last month as deputy illustrious master oh. and i'll be as of april i'll be thrice illustrious master of goodwin council so it's very very
0: exciting yeah. yeah josh the intern how about you you're the one person on the podcast that's actively in a Blue Lodge chair.
4: Right. Uh, we got Blue Lodge
0: coming up on Tuesday. so
5: Chicken pot pie dinner.
0: Chicken pot pie dinner. All right. Larry, you'll be at that, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. Uh, and I've got, obviously, Blue Lodge events coming up the first week of the month. Um, and then uh, the, the the one item that I want to promote is an event uh, being sponsored by Samuel C. Perkins, uh, Royal Arts Chapter number 209 on uh, wednesday march 20th uh, the uh, title of it is the phenomena of cannabis in pennsylvania Uh, and uh, the person serving currently as our scribe um, in that chapter uh, josh gerstenlauer is going to be joined by a medicinal chemist from harrisburg uh, and we have invited a couple of uh uh, folks, uh, <laughs> brother Scott Perry, uh, who is a representative, uh, he is a brother and member of Eureka West Shore Lodge. We've invited him, as well as Lieutenant Governor John Fetterman, to come and be uh, part of that. Uh, the event is uh, that there will be a dinner prior, beginning at 5:30, uh, and the and the brief uh, meeting will take place uh, at 7:30. And if you're interested, reservations are required by March 13th, and you can email in one j a w at prototonmail.com well, that's P- simple yeah really p-r-o-t-o-n uh sounds like an exciting evening and uh um, appreciate the opportunity to promote that event
1: I, I do want to say for our listeners, uh, like in Uppsala, Sweden, or Utrecht in the Netherlands, if you have an upcoming lodge meeting, if you give us at least a month out, we'll be able to promote that. Just please and, send it in English. Yeah, yeah, like, <laughs> please, yes. And, and to our brothers in Australia, who we have not heard from in a very long time, uh, do you still exist? Is there, are you, I, I, you know, yeah, it's I had like an I idea I for an episode,
2: off. I wanted to have Steve Austin debate, um, Isaac Moore from the Bronx. So we can have the guy from Australia talk to the guy from the Bronx and we can all see if we can figure out what's going on. Yeah, that'd know. be awesome.
0: We're going to need at least four translators. So let, let us know.
1: We, we want to try to, you know, broaden the scope of uh, what, what
0: we do when we give out information and what we're doing. We want to know what you're doing as well. So. And we also want our listeners uh, to make use of our uh, Facebook page as well as our website uh, to send us questions, to send us your thoughts on the podcast. And if there's a topic that uh, you'd like to have Discussed. Uh, feel free to share yeah. that. And
1: with And we us. do run into people. We ran we into do. one last night.
2: Yeah, we had a fan show up uh, at the Yellow Dog Degree, and we got we had a few gentlemen uh, write us. An author that we're going to have on the show, yeah. and a um, and a gentleman is interested in Freemasonry. That is a um, Native American, and he's a uh, I believe he's a chief of a, of the Moh- one of the Mohawk he, tribes. Yeah, he right? may maybe. I hope I'm talking... not misstating.
1: it, yeah. but yeah. yeah.
0: Anyway, but yeah, we we're, we're going to work on getting him on the show. Uh, the key is that you, our listeners, are key to this podcast, so That's please right. let us hear from you. And in that spirit, Pete, uh, why don't you share with us our Patreon supporters?
2: Love to thank our Patreon supporters. You can find them at Masonic at uh, patreon.com slash masoniclight. Um, brothers Dan Madrigal, Brother Pete Ruggieri, Brother Larry Maris, Brother Tim Dedman, Brother Jim Stevens, um, Brother Jason Brewster, and I think... That's – well, my phone's at 2%, so if Uh-oh. I missed you, I'll have you on the website. <laughs> but, uh, thank you, guys. That's, that's a commitment. And you guys don't have to make a huge commitment. You could do $1 a month, just debit it out of your checking – out of your card. We have three levels, 1, 5, and 13. And really, a dollar's is fine. I mean, you know, it's, just, it's the thought and the dollar that counts. <laughs>
0: Uh we we're also looking, I believe, at creating some opportunities for uh lodges and Masonic bodies to uh uh support our podcast and you can look forward to future uh episodes uh with perhaps some details on that. Yeah. So uh Larry, uh take us out of here. Yeah, I think we're ready to go yeah. home for the Yeah, night. Well, I wanna say before we queue up the chickens
1: here that uh uh, I, I I hate to say it, uh, I have a, a sort of a announcement to make, and it's kind of a little bit sad in a way, uh, but we have decided, because of so many Masonic conflicts and so many bodies having so many things going on, that we decided to withdraw and cancel the Rudyard Kipling dinner for April the 27th. So, for all of you who were thinking about making reservations for that, just hold off on that. Uh, for those of you who have made reservations through Eventbrite and so forth, we're going to go ahead and take care of that and get that credited back to your account. But I do appreciate the kind of response that we've had, but it was it was at the point where we really had to make a decision because there were a lot of conflicts going on. And uh, perhaps we'll revisit this uh, a later time or in another life.
0: All right. <laughs> Maybe so a future episode. We'll future call it the Kipling call episode. episode. <laughs> All right, Josh, cue the chickens.
1: I want to give a special thanks to Effort of lodge 665 for making our studio available special thanks to our news director jack harley who's somewhere in the state of ohio tonight pizza favorite place prayers uh also to michelle snyder our masonic light podcast symbologist and frequent guest on our show and our masonic light complaint operator xavier breath and of course, our Masonic Lake Podcast IQ evaluator who works really difficult, lowest test score. And uh, also, too, to the law firm of Dewey, Cheatham, and Howe, who consistently remain with us, and we don't know why. Uh, thanks for listening. This is Larry Marison. Have a great day.
0: This is Tim Dedman. Josh, the intern. Yasser Al Khatib.
1: And it's
2: Pete. I'm really sorry for Larry. Good night.